Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, we'll be sharing an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we, why don't we give it up for Jesus? Why don't we give Jesus the honor that he deserves? We honor you, Jesus. We lift you up. We're so grateful to be in your house. You are worthy of our praise, Jesus. We magnify you. We exalt, we exalt Jesus. Amen? You guys can be seated. All right. I have the, the honor to share the word of God uh, with you guys. For those of you guys that don't know, our pastor is in Colombia right now. He's at a conference called Empowered 21. Uh, some of us have been watching it online. It's been awesome. And uh, let's, let's pray for our pastors. You know, I love, I love having pastors that are so hungry to always receive more of God. Amen. And, and I believe that a part of them does it for them because they want to be closer to God, but also because they want to pour more into us. And so I think we should feel, feel blessed, right, that we have such pastors that, that never um, get comfortable, never stay complacent. And I pray that we would have that same spirit, right? That we would never stay complacent. So I want to share with you guys a message called Message. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if we can have the, the title up there, Message. And I'm so excited because it's so early, so I have so much time. I'm just kidding. Some of you guys are getting all scared already. Uh, I want to share with you guys a message called you are my number two. Tell the person next to you, you are my number two. Let me get a stand real quick, and I'll, I'll explain in a little bit what I mean by that. The stand is so tiny, I can only fit one thing in there. And um, you are my number two. You know, I, I believe there are two things that attract the move of God more than anything else. Two things that I believe move the heart of God and cause him to pour out his spirit in a powerful way. And I believe those two things are hunger and unity. Um, you know, I've been praying, one of my prayers lately more than anything has been these two things. I've been praying just, God, give me more hunger for you that I would never get comfortable. I know you have so much more that you want to do in our lives, but many times God's not able to do it because there's a lack of hunger. But there's also, there's also unity that tends to attract the presence of God, that tends to attack, attract the, the work of God. And the way I kind of see it, it's like hunger is that spark. You know, you can't start a fire without the spark. But then unity is like when you get all the charcoal together, right? It's one thing to have one charcoal and, and you light it on fire, but it's not going to do much. It's not going to last very long and it's not going to cause much of a fire. But when you get a bunch of charcoal together, a bunch of logs together, it keeps the fire burning for a long time. And it keeps the flames going even higher. And so today, uh, as much as I would like to share about hunger, I, I feel in my heart that I want to share about unity. And it's a topic that I shared on Monday with our, our team of 12. And uh, I hope it blessed them. And if not, I hope they get it today. <laughs> um, you know, every move of God... I've come to realize was destroyed or killed by division. There's been moves around the world where God has poured out his spirit in a powerful way, where thousands of people have gotten saved, where amazing outpourings, miracles. But somewhere along the lines, the enemy will work to bring division. 
And I was sharing on Monday how, I don't know if you ever realized it, but the enemy was so cunning that he was able to bring division even in heaven. Even in the very presence of God, where God was constantly worshipped, where the name of, of Jesus was lifted up, the enemy was so cunning that he was able to, with his lies, begin to bring division in the presence of God. That's kind of crazy, right? And so if we're not careful, if we're not aware of the way the enemy works, we might just let him bring division in our hearts and in our midst. But I pray today that the word of God will minister to us in such a way that we would be those people that make a commitment to never allow division in our church. Never allow division in the people of God. Amen? So let me say a quick prayer. And uh, more than anything, it's an opportunity for you to ask the Holy Spirit to move in your hearts and the Holy Spirit to speak tonight. We thank you, God, because you're in this place. We thank you because your word is living. It's active. It's alive. I thank you for... Allowing me to share your word, Lord. I don't share my word. I don't share what I think or what I believe. But it's your word. And I know that your word has the power, the ability to transform the lives of those who open up their hearts with humility to receive it. So we invite you. We know that you are here, Spirit of God. We just take a moment to acknowledge you, your presence, how beautiful it is to, to be together with our brothers and sisters where your presence can move with freedom. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Uh, is, is Chris here? Chris, by any chance? No? Am, do I have the Pastor Pablo's gift or what? <laughs> who's, who's a, like, pretty diehard soccer fan here? Anybody? Somebody closer? Okay, Gaspar. Where's Gaspar at? Gaspar, en tu opinión, ¿quién es el jugador pero de los mejores? Who's the best soccer player right now? Messi, okay, some of you guys are yay, some of you guys are nay, you know, y, y quien, quien consideras el segundo mejor, who do you consider the second best, huh, Gaspar, ah, Ronaldo, <laughs> Ronaldo, so, tu eres un Messi fan, eh, you're a Messi fan, yeah, you're Messi, in your life, no, pero, how would you feel, how would you feel if you got to meet Ronaldo, if you got to talk to him, would you feel like pretty, like, this is awesome. He's not number one, but he's number two. Yeah? ¿Sí me entendiste o no? ¿Cómo te sentirías esa palabra? ¿Sintieras si podrías hablar con Ronaldo, platicar, que te pueda enseñar un poquito? ¿Sí lo tomarías? Yeah, right? He might not be your best one, but if he's the second best in the world, that's pretty good, right? You know, and that might be a funny analogy, but there was a time in the Bible where they asked Jesus, Jesus, what are the greatest, what is the greatest commandment? They asked him a singular question. What is the greatest commandment of all? You guys remember that? And so Jesus in, in Mark 12, 29 and 31, he says, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You know, Jesus says, this is the second most important thing to me that you can do with your life. You know, it's not as important to God how much wisdom you have, how much faith you have. What God considers more important is how you treat the person next to you. How you feel about your brother or your sister next to you. So tell the person next to you, you are my number two. Because, 
because above all things, the second thing that God cares about is how you love the person next to you. Amen? So we need to talk about this. The first point that I want to share is called within my walls. Within my walls. Hey, let's go, somebody. I'm going to shift to the left right here because we go to the left. I'm going to read to you guys. You guys can write it down in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Something that most of us have heard before, but I feel like every time the word of God, especially a verse like this, it's just like, dang, I need to check my heart again, right? You, you almost forget what the word of God says, and you got to check yourself before he wrecks you. Not before you wreck yourself. It says, and if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, how many of you guys want a, the gift of prophecy? You missed your chance. That was your chance. I guess it's going to somebody else. I'll take it, Lord. And can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, how many of you guys want faith to move mountains? Amen. But, but, God says, but do not have love. I am nothing. If I have that kind of faith, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And then it says, if I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It says you are nothing and you gain nothing. It profits you nothing. All that you do with great faith, with great prophetic anointing, with great miracles, but you have love, you do not have love, you gain nothing and you profit nothing. Now, the context of this is. Jesus speaking to the church, the church of Corinth that had been moving in powerful supernatural gifts. And he had been teaching to them about the importance of the body of Christ. And I think many times the reason I titled this Within My Walls is because many times we talk about loving the lost. Loving those outside that are dying without Jesus. But what I felt God putting in my heart is how can you love those outside of the wall when you haven't even learned to love those within your walls? How can you love someone that you don't even know that, yes, they're dying without Christ, but you don't even love the person next to you that is united in spirit with you, that shares the unity of knowing Jesus Christ. Amen? And so in the Bible, we have a story of Cain and Abel. And so God had blessed and he had been very proud of, of his son Abel. But the way that his, his brother responded, Cain, you guys know he got jealous, he got envious, and he killed his brother. And so here comes God. Um, and he talks to Cain and he says, where is your brother? And so Cain gets mad and he says, what? He says, am I my brother's keeper? You know, and that's the problem is that he should have been his brother's keeper. But instead of keeping his brother, he was jealous and had hatred towards his brother. And I believe one of the problems that we have many times is we're not our brother's keepers. You know, we're just so worried about ourselves and what we're going through that we don't even know what the person next to us is going through. That the enemy can come, and I've seen it for years, snatch people out of the church. And many times, I'm not even aware of what the enemy's doing. I'm not even aware of what's happening in their lives because I'm so concerned with myself. And I believe God is calling us tonight to become our brother's keepers. I wrote this down. God cares less about how great you can preach and more about how you love your brother. You know, and I, I believe that before being a leader in this church, I'm a member of this church. 
before having a, a place, I'm grateful that, that the pastors have called me into their 12. But before, I'm grateful that God allows me to lead a cell group, lead a team. But before any of that, I'm a brother, I'm a sister in Christ. And that needs to be our foundation all the time, constantly, especially the higher you grow in the body of Christ. The more dangerous it is for you to, to lose that unity. Amen? We need each other, right? First, first John 2, 9 and 11, it says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Being in unity brings protection. When you're divided, when you're not close, connected to the body of Christ, you're in such dangerous turf. But the Bible says that when you're in unity, when you love your brethren, it says that there is no cause for stumbling. There's no jealousy. There's no pride. There's no bitterness. And therefore, you're protected from all the attacks of the enemy. Amen? But then it says, but he who hates his brother is still in darkness and walks in darkness. And then 1 John 4, 20 through 21, it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Let me read that again. 1 John 4, 20 through 21. Am I going like pretty fast? No? You guys good? You're like, no, hurry up. I'm hungry. <laughs> if someone says, I love God, preach it, baby. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Man, that's tough stuff, right? The Bible says, you say you love God, but you hate your brother. God's like, nah, you lying, bro. <laughs> In the FIV version, Frank International. That took, I had to think about it for a little bit. But you guys get that? God's saying, you say you love me, and, and you, you know, it's kind of like this. Sean tells me, man, Frank, I love you so much. But I hate your son, Jacob. <laughs> right? Somebody's going to get knocked out up in this place, right? <laughs> now, if you don't know Jacob, Jacob's my son. And that's the same thing when I say, God, I love you, but I hate your son. But I, but I hate your sister. God's like, no, you're lying. You haven't understand it because I am expressing myself through them. And you can't see me, but you can see me and them. And if you hate them, then you hate me also. And so God is commanding us. The Bible says at the end of that, that he who loves God, um, I'm sorry, and this commandment we have from him. That's point number two. Christ commanded me. See, it's one thing when, when God suggests for you to do something, and it's another thing when God commands you to do something. Now you no longer have an option, right? I think sometimes we need commandments, right? Because we're very like, oh, you know, you know, bro, I'm just trying to follow Jesus, and I'm a very spiritual person. Yeah, but are you doing what God commanded you to do? Right? And, and, and God does give us commandments, by the way. In John 13, 34 through 35, it says, Jesus speaking to his disciples, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, as not just any kind of way, it says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Today I learned a new, what an expression means for the first time. You guys ever heard the, the expression, the proof is in the pudding? 
I'm all laughing. I never knew what that meant. I just thought it was, anybody, you guys heard that before? Yeah? No? Most of you guys? Dang, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> there's an expression that says the proof is in the pudding. I never knew what that meant, but it, meant, it means that basically the proof is in the eating. In other words, you'll know how good is it after you eat it, after you taste it. Then you'll know what it really is like. And so why, why do I say that? I don't know. But Jesus says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. First, he gives you commandment. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Love your brother. But then he says, by this, the proof is in the pudding. By this, they will know if you're really my disciples. Not by how great you preach. Not how, by how bold you are, which are things that we, we desire to grow in. Amen. But Jesus says, no, the proof is in how you love the person next to you. Do you love them the way that I showed you to love one another? You know, I remember... I remember when Marcos first gave his life to Christ, and I remember when I first saw, like, this guy is a different person, you know? And it was, uh, we, I, had, I think I had put together, like, to go out to eat at BJ's or something like that. Can we praise the Lord for BJ's? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, then Pazookis, my goodness. I got to, let's, let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes and just, whoo. Did your guy's stomach just growl right now? Or was that the Holy Ghost? I can't even tell sometimes. But where was I? <laughs> Marcos. Forget I'm preaching sometimes. It's a holy moment. And so, yeah, we, we went to, I don't, I don't remember if it was BJ's or one of those magnificent, glorious places. And Mar I told Marcos, and he, he had, like, all this stuff to take care of. He had to go with his family. Where was your, your sister living back then? It was pretty far, though. Huh? How far is that? Hey, come on, somebody. Yeah. And so he had, he had something to do with at his sister's house. And he's all, yeah, but I'll go afterwards. And I remember he drove for four hours just to go spend time with us the last 10, 15 minutes that we were there. Because we were all done eating. And I don't know why, like, just the thought came to my mind. Like, like he had just given his life to Christ. It's like, that's how you know somebody really knows God. That they want to be around God's people. Even if it's just for a couple minutes, like something, the Holy Spirit inside of him desired to have unity, to have communion with the people of God. I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying, but do you have that desire to be covered, be around, be surrounded by the people of God? If you, like, are the kind of person that you rather be with people in the world than God's children, then maybe you still haven't been born again. Maybe you still have more of the old nature in you than the new nature. Because when you become a child of God, you want to be around the children of God. Amen? And Christ commands us to love one another as he has loved us. You know, I think this is challenging for us. And I think we need it to be a commandment. Especially now because we live in a generation that is so self-absorbed. So all about me. How many likes I get. How many how many uh, hits I can get, how famous I can become. And Jesus came and he modeled a completely different example. He taught us how to prioritize and put somebody else before your own self, your own needs. And that challenges me. But I know that's what it is to look like Christ. And we need to strive for these things. You know, I think we twist what success looks like in the body of Christ. Um, I think we think success looks like when I'm exalted when people see how successful I am doing. And I think success looks more like what Jesus modeled. Are you giving your life for the person next to you? And that convicts me a lot. Um, 
you know, I, I, I was sharing on Monday, if success is how many followers you have, then Jesus was not successful at all. Because at the end of Jesus' ministry, he only had 120 people after three and a half years, only 112 people that were there faithful to him. Like I was telling them, man, Stephen Furtick's got way more people than that. You know, is that really the measure of success in a person's life? How many people admire you? How many people want to follow you? Like, no, right? I don't believe so. I think, amen, let's go to the next point. <laughs> answering, answering Jesus' prayer. Ooh, I heard some movement behind me. Um, you know, I heard, I heard uh, some, somebody recently talk, a worship leader, he was talking about, the, how many of you guys here are in the, the uh, night, night worship team that's going to be taking place pretty soon? Hey, okay, okay. Uh, I'm really excited about this, but that has nothing to do with my preaching. I don't know why I'm getting distracted. <laughs> the Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. And the people of God's sake. Um, you know, this, this, this uh, worship, worship leader, he was talking about how Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he talked about how in heaven they're worshiping all the time. And so therefore you and I, when we worship, we actually have the opportunity to become the answered prayer to what Jesus prayed. And I was like, dang, that's awesome. I never saw that before. I always talk about how I want God to answer my prayers but what about the prayers that Jesus made? Am I trying to fulfill them, to answer them? And one of the prayers that Jesus made that in, in John 17, he was, he was pre praying that his people, that his followers would become united. And he says in verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. I in them and you in me. That they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. I skipped around. I started in verse 9 and I kind of jumped around because I didn't want to read all the way to 23. But there's something here that I, that I pray that you get. Jesus said, I don't pray for the world. I pray for them. You know, I think many times we're taught in the church or we're focused on praying for the world and the lost that we don't pray for those within our own walls. And Jesus said the exact opposite. He's like, I don't pray for the lost. I pray for the ones that are safe, that they may become one. Why, do, why did Jesus do that? It sounds very contrary. I think it's because if you can get the church right, then you can get the world right. But if you can't even get the church right, how are, you gonna reach, how are we going to reach those that are outside of the walls? If we can't even be united within the walls. So Jesus said, I'm not praying, Father, for the world. You catch that? I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for my disciples. And so with our team of 12, we did an exercise. We, you guys know the prayer of three, right? Where we pray for three people that don't know Christ. Well, we did the prayer of three, but that we would pray for each other. Because many times we're always praying for the loss. But Jesus said, I pray for those that are saved. I pray for those that are within the walls. Because if we can get this right, those that are outside the walls, they will know that you have sent me, Jesus said. Right now, they don't know that Jesus was sent because they don't see Christ in our midst. So why would they want 
what the church has to offer if it looks the same as what they already have. But when they can see unity in the church, when they can see holiness in the church, they will see that Christ is in the church. They will see that there's something that they don't have that they can find in our midst. Amen? You know, many times we do the opposite of what Jesus did. We pray for the lost, and we don't pray for our own brothers and sisters. We don't pray for the person next to us. I want to read to you what I believe was the answer to that prayer. In Acts 2, 44 and 47, through 47, I believe this is Jesus' method of evangelism. Jesus' method of evangelism. You know, within the years that I've been in the church, I, I have seen unity in the church bring more salvation than any, any gospel preaching, any evangelism, any crusade. I have seen the unity of the church bring more people to the feet of Jesus than anything else. I really have. When people come in here, you know what touches people's heart the most? And many of you will agree. You say, man, there's something different here. These people are like, they're a family. And that preaches the gospel more than anything else that you can ever say or do. I believe this was Jesus' method of evangelism that he gives to the church. In Acts 2.44 it says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. Before I go, keep on going. Before I go home. Now before I keep going. You know, I saw this just as I was preparing even just today, um, we focus a lot on giving to homeless people. Now, this might sound crazy to you, but it talks about that they all gave their possessions so that nobody in the church will be empty. And many times the church, we give all our possessions so that, so that people out there who are lost, and it, you guys know what I'm saying? That's, I've never seen many people, they spend a lot of focus on and it's not bad. A lot of focus on like, let's raise shelters for the homeless. Let's do this. This is my ministry, you know. But it's crazy because in the book of Acts, they didn't do that. I'm not saying that it's wrong. Please don't get me wrong, you know. But what they did was they gave what they had so that their brothers and sisters will not be lacking. That's crazy, huh? I don't know if you saw it, but I, I didn't see that before. So they sold their possessions, divided, divided them among them. And then so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, unity, right? And breaking bread from house to house, they all ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. It's unity. And check out what the result of that unity was. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. <laughs> you know, it didn't say that they got people saved. It said that the Lord was adding Daily, every day, in a place of unity where the Spirit of God is moving, God will add to his church daily those who will get saved and come to Christ. I pray that you get this tonight. We need to be pillars. We need to be people that bring unity to the body of Christ. You don't need to be a 12. You don't need to be a 144. You need to have a heart like Jesus that says, I love the church of Jesus. Jesus gave his life for his church. I should give my life for the church. That's what Jesus gave his life for, for the body of Christ. Are we giving our life for our brothers and our sisters? You know, the Bible says that when Jesus saw how many people were lost, he didn't say, pray for the lost to be found. He said, pray for the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. Who are the laborers? That's us. We pray for the lost, but Jesus said, pray for laborers. 
And then he says, I am the Lord of the harvest. You're not the Lord of the harvest. I just need to get you in sync with me. I just get, need to give you to surrender all, of, all that you are to be united with me. And then I'll bring a harvest. Amen? The last, last point that I want to share is the character of Christ. Unity is, expre- is an expression of the character of Christ. How many of you guys want to be more like Christ? You can't be more like Christ and divide his body, right? If we want to be more like Christ, we got to bring unity to the body of Christ. In Philippians 2, verses 2 and 9, it says, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests. Don't just worry about what you need and what, what you want, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then at the end. The battery died. Oh, dang. Dang, still over here. Do, do I still got my wallet? <laughs> Telling you, it's his Hispanic churches. You gotta be. <laughs> You know, it talks about how Jesus was obedient to the point of death and he gave his life for us. But then at the end, it says, therefore. When you see the word therefore, you got to find out what is there for. <laughs> therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. Because Jesus humbled himself, the Bible says that God exalted him. You know, the Bible says those who humble themselves will be exalted. When God sees that we're humbling ourselves, when we're not just worried about our own benefits, how we're doing in our life, how our ministry, how our finances, but we put other people before us, God says, I'll exalt those people. I'll lift them up because they're putting themselves a second because they have somebody in their life that they're giving themselves to. Amen? I want to read one last thing. You guys received so far? Amen. In Psalms, Psalms chapter 133, it's, it's like the psalm of unity, you can say. If I can find it, it's going to be really good. You know, when, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, there was hunger, but there was also unity. The Bible talks about how constantly they were gathered together in prayer. And when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, it says that they were all in one place with one accord. And that's the kind of environment that the Holy Spirit has freedom to move. And I I have a desire to see the move of the Holy Spirit in our church, in our lives. How many of you guys have a desire to see God move in a way like you've never seen him move before? Amen. And I believe God is calling us to to a place of unity. And this, this chapter is beautiful because it, it, it mentions the, whole, the work of the Holy Spirit without even using the name Holy Spirit. Psalms 133, it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as the dew of Mount Hermon 
were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord commands his blessing. If we can have a, I don't know if George is here. We're going to start praying in a little bit. But I want to read that part. It's talking about the unity, how unity is like the oil that is poured out on a priest's head. And it, gets, it begins to drip until every part of the body. Who is the body? We are the body. Until every part of that body is anointed by the Spirit of God. Until there's not one part, one person in the body of Christ that is not carrying the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then after that unity, it says, For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. Where does God command his blessing? When there is unity. Isn't that awesome for God to command his blessing? Where he sees unity, there he commands his blessing. I'm going to invite you guys to stand for a moment. And uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do right now. I know some of you guys think like, okay, cool, we're towards the end. But I believe that was just an introduction to what God wants to do right now for those that are hungry. And my only concern is that there might be people here that are not in the same spirit. And I guess, I don't know, maybe that kind of scares me a little bit because I desire God to move in a powerful way. And so, therefore, I desire for us to be one. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. There, Pastor Pablo is in a conference right now that is called Empowered 21. I love that name, Empowered, because you can't do the work of God without first being empowered. How can you do something that's impossible unless God gives you the power to do it? But then in, in Acts 1, 14, it says that they were all together in one place and that was the environment in which God began to flow and one thing that I believe unites the body of Christ in a way that very few things do um, is when we begin to worship how many of you guys love worshiping God and we're, we're gonna ask Elaine right now to come and to lead us in a song I want you to worship I know many of you guys are like I want to come to the front and worship but I want you to just worship where you are together in unity we're gonna invite the presence of God to move in this place with freedom. Amen. You can go ahead and close your eyes if you want to kneel down right now. I believe God is unifying us through worship because what, what unifies us is not our culture, our age, our race. What unifies us is that we lift up the name of Jesus above our own name. It's that we recognize that if it wasn't for his blood, for his sacrifice on the cross, we would be lost in our sins. But there is a God who loved us so much that sent his son to die in the place, in your place and in my place. And when we begin to get our eyes off of ourselves and on Jesus, and we all worship him in one spirit and one heart, God is magnified and God's about to move in this place right now. But get your eyes off the preacher, off the person next to you, and just begin to invite the Holy Spirit. Church, God. 
bring a spirit of unity, Lord. We declare all division is broken right now. Any work that the enemy has tried to do to divide us, to turn us against one another, to turn us against leadership or the pastors, we declare that his word is broken, right? We declare that the work of the enemy is broken in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare that we are one in you, God, that we are one in you. We declare, God, that we're believing you for greater things if we've gotten comfortable with what we've experienced, comfortable with our salvation. We declare in Jesus' name that there's a hunger arising in your church, that there's a hunger arising in our hearts, Lord. We want more of you. Set our hearts on fire, God. Set our hearts on fire, Lord. Increase our faith. Make us men and women of faith, Lord. We'll believe you, Lord. We declare, God, that greater miracles, greater outpouring of your spirit, Lord, over CFF Church, Lord. That a great outpouring of your spirit is coming over here in Los Angeles, in our church, Lord. That thousands upon thousands will come to your feet, Lord, because of the fire of the Holy Spirit working in this place. We lift you up, King Jesus. We lift up your name. Only you can save, Lord. Only you, Jesus, can deliver.
like you. Why don't you give him praise like he deserves it? Why don't you honor his name like he's worthy? Like he saved you from sin? Like he died on the cross in our place? Why don't you worship him like he deserves the praise? We honor you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And God's people say, Amen. Hug the person next to you, tell them you love them. I'm so glad we're in the same body of Christ. I'm so glad I get to do life with you. I'm so glad we have a God of miracles. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome night.